0: Hello and welcome to Crew in the Air on Free CR eight five five A.M. I am Frank and I am back on my first show for twenty twenty. It has been a while. I miss all you lovely, lovely listeners. So today we've got something special prepared. Um, we've got an interview. Uh, me and Emily did this interview a few weeks ago with Wolfram from Queer Con- Content and Zines. Uh, they were fortunate that we were fortunate enough to get them while they're in Brisbane, uh, because uh, while they're in Melbourne. Excuse me, they're from Brisbane, I should say. Um, yeah, they were down for the sticky interview, so we got uh, we got to ask them a few questions, and I think it's it's a really good interview. I'm really proud of it. Um, I should probably put a trigger warning now because we do talk about um, many sort of uh, things such as um, uh, such as very very naughty stuff, like uh, well. Um, was a lot to lot to talk about, so but just a general trigger warning out there for you. So we're going to be playing it, but first uh, listen to some screaming jets. We'll be right back. Hello, you're listening to Crunier on Free CR eight five five AM. I am Frank, and I'm here with Emily, and we've got a special guest today. Emily, will you do the
1: honors? So joining us today is Wolfram, who is. Probably most known for their queer content scene, but is uh, very active in a lot of queer publishing, it turns out, and many other fantastic projects. So we're very excited to have them joining us today.
0: Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? (laughs) Yeah, good, thank you. Um, yeah, Wolfram, how's it, how's it going? Uh, how's, uh,
2: how's Melbourne been so far? I mean, Melbourne's been okay. Um, Just okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'll admit I'm not a big fan of coming down to Melbourne. Mm. Um, there are certain things that I love. There are th- certain things that I used to love about coming down to Melbourne that are gone now, mm. um, and you mm. have a lot of urban decay. Um, and that worries me. It doesn't make me feel good. I'm used mm. to the sunshine of Brisbane. <laughs> yeah. But I will say the weather amazing being able to like find food wherever is really good mm. It's so good i love it um and i just i i guess i really like the diversity of people down here like mm. um uh where i live in brisbane you can get on the bus and hear 12 different languages um but you don't see it as much i guess um where people have different cultures and speak different languages with generally the same skin color mm. but when you come down here so many different skin colours as well as cultures, and that's beautiful.
3: Mm.
1: We're a melting pot, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad that you mentioned that the weather has been good because we've had some pretty atrocious days in here. So you've come at a pretty good time.
2: Yeah, mm. I'm told it's been general Brisbane weather for a good week here.
1: General Brisbane weather. You have it pretty good then, because we've had some Mm. 43-degree days, which were just...
2: no, that's what I mean. 43 is normal. Oof.
1: No, you can hear people audibly sizzling as they pass you on the pavement. I'm not a fan of that.
2: No, it's not good. No. (laughs) The heat you can feel. It touches you. Yeah. It's Mm. very
1: intimate, yes. (laughs) So you're (laughs) down here for Sticky. Uh Is that what's brought you to Melbourne? You sounded like you have some history with being here. When you yeah. spoke about you were sad to see some things have changed in Urban Decay, can you talk about anything in particular that you miss? Or? Yeah.
2: like So the first time I ever came to Melbourne was to meet my longest pen pal mm-hmm. ever. And this is before... I mean, this was back in the time when internet communities were starting to become a thing. Mm-hmm. We're talking like real early naughties. <laughs> um, so it met them when I was sixteen. Came On here when space. I was twenty-six. Yeah, wow. No, uh, there was a a website called Mogenic dot dot com. Right. Yeah, it, uh, you had like X Y dot com, and then you had Mogenic dot com, and they were like the first real queer online communities. Early naughties wow. um, crashed in two thousand eight after Damn. several attacks, several cyber attacks. Oh. But um yeah so we met there uh and we kept emailing over 10 years and eventually I you know we were like why haven't we met? We need to meet. So I came down here, um, and I have a tradition every year of going to the first place that we ever ate, which is uh, Shanghai City Dumplings.
1: Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
2: Uh, the prices haven't changed. The, the size hasn't changed. The people there, like, it's a family-owned uh, restaurant, mm-hmm. and nothing about it has changed, really. And I love that because, you know, I, I have a tradition of taking someone there uh, every year. Yeah. Yeah. And just reliving the first time i met this person my first time to melbourne
1: (laughs) well that place still stands that holds up it's in tattersall's lane isn't it it is but literally
2: everything around it has been renovated yeah i think
1: i think that's melbourne as a whole as you said is just constantly um evolving to deal with this population boom so yeah yeah
2: but um people were friendlier back then as well uh you didn't yeah because you didn't one one thing that I've noticed is, uh, you know, this was this was, the, these were years before your your population boom. So um, jobs were hard to find, but they weren't impossible to find. Uh, accommodation was harder to find, but it wasn't impossible to find. You could still afford to live closer to the city where you can't now. Um, mm-hmm. And since then, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, you had your big thing with Flinders Street Station. You know, you had a lot of homeless people living around there. Uh, and I remember I I went to a cafe three times during my trip, and there was a, a kid uh, just sitting in a fire exit. And I asked, "Hey, you cool? You need anything?" He's like, "Oh, just a sandwich and a drink would be fine." So I went and got it. Turned out he was 16. He lived there in a fire exit. Mm. And that was that was the time I stopped liking Melbourne so much. Mm. Yeah. We have that in Brisbane, but we don't like we have homeless shelters close to the city. Uh, we do provide health care. Um, for our city. We are starting to uh, utilize spaces um, that, are, that are used for like, parking during the day. Uh, and we're, we're putting, installing beds there uh, for night time so homeless people have somewhere to sleep. We don't have the, uh, the population of homeless that Melbourne has either, I guess. Um, so seeing that grow over the years, because people just can't afford to live here, yeah, um, mm. has been one thing.
1: I can't remember what year it was when we held the Olympic Games here. That was when I first noticed how big the issue was with homelessness and how little a government was dealing with the issue. Like Their solution was to just literally bus these people further out so there wasn't coverage of it.
2: And install spikes everywhere.
1: Yeah, pay lots of money to make areas less safe for people who are vulnerable and at risk. And there is so many areas that could be safely converted into housing. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's not the problem. It's definitely capitalism.
2: Yeah. The way your city has generally grown as well, it has really utilized uh, architectural points that uh, move people. Mm -hmm. They move certain people to certain areas of the city as well. Um, we, We have that a lot in Brisbane. Brisbane's really bad with it. But we are starting to change that. Uh, we are starting to tear up uh, spikes instead of laying more spikes down. Thank God. Um, i I still don't want to praise Brisbane because we're still pretty bad, but also, like. Sounds uh, like they're
1: more progressive, like taking more steps in the right direction. Yeah,
2: I, I think it's we're aware of yeah. how it's affecting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool.
0: Um, yeah, so tell us about um your publication uh queer content. Um what that what that involves.
2: Yeah, so I guess that's the other reason I don't like Melbourne much. Um Queer Content started as a collaborative process, uh collaborative zine uh that I wanted to do with my housemates at the time. Uh and that's why number one uh we think we're funny is a collection of quotes and photos. Um and it's stopping that really quickly because they moved to Melbourne. Uh, Along with so many people. (laughs) Just so many people moved to Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So you're moving here then? Oh, gosh, no. No. Come on. We're still going to
2: move to Newcastle. You know, there are more artists Whatever. per capita in Newcastle than any mm. other city in Australia.
1: There's also more serial killers per capita, that's fine.
2: Oh, I can live with that. <laughs> but I guess uh, Queer Content, from then on, because it failed the first time, and then the second time, and the third time, it kind of just became like a, a series of experiments, experimenting with form. And storytelling and how I connect with other people who are also publishing, that sort of thing.
1: Well what do you mean by failed? What do you consider a failure?
2: It wasn't what I wanted it to do. It didn't perform the function I wanted it to.
1: Okay. But I the tricky thing for me, I find, as queer writers and making zines, it's kind of it does feel sort of insular and isolating, but the fact is once you put that content out there it's reaching people that you don't know and it's affecting them in a way you don't know. So I feel like it's kind of not even about us at the end of the day. I mean, it's fair enough if you have your own vision of how you wanted it to be. And so I wouldn't call it a failure. I wouldn't. I think you might not realise just the impact. And it's hard when we're in the moment to have perspective about what it's going to mean 10, 20, 50 years from now. I feel like your stuff... In particular, has this longevity to it that it 's going to continue to resonate with people it 's timeless it 's the, the things you 're talking so. about yeah the absolutely time exactly yeah mm, thank you you're welcome <laughs> What else are you doing publishing wise
2: ah uh... Well, at the moment I'm doing a little freelance writing for some street mags up north, um, uh, Fruity Magazine we talked about Mm a second ago. Yes. Um, But also I am a writing, editing, and publishing master's, the infamous web program at University of Queensland. I am not getting paid to plug that.
1: Is there anything you can't do?
2: I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either
1: yeah it's extensive it's impressive it's intimidating yeah Yeah. i've
2: run festivals i've helped run festivals i have run uh panels at festivals i've i've done some cool stuff
1: you've done some very cool stuff you're kind of like the person anyone could go to if they had a question about pretty much anything creative within the queer scene
2: you know I, i do find that in brisbane yeah yeah i i get asked a lot of advice
1: yeah you should start charging a fee.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I would if I, I if I didn't think knowledge should be uh, given.
1: Yes. And that is why we do zines. That is why we do zines. not for the money.
0: Nor. It's definitely not for the money. what <laughs> I'm finding out. Anywho. Yeah, anyone who's listening, <laughs> give up those dreams.
1: I'm sorry. If you think we're sitting here rich and famous off our zine money, uh, you're mistaken.
0: Um, so there was one uh, zine of yours that I really liked, which was... Uh, bad birds in that, you know, they're birds and mm-hmm. they they happen to be bad. I don't know, it's just a really cool combination. Um I love I love the art. Um I love Rosellas in general. Um, yeah, yeah, tell us tell us more about that.
2: Okay, so there I guess there are one, I liked uh sketching wildlife. Uh mm. and then I Made that wildlife as though they were talking to each other as real housewives of Melbourne. Um, so it's like, uh, <laughs> Cheryl, she's at it again. Um, the uh, I guess the next thing was I made a lot of mistakes in my 20s and wanted to make something positive of that. Mm. So I wrote a comic about that um, and I, I really wanted it to be funny. Uh, and teach them lessons about taking responsibility for your own actions. I don't think I achieved that last bit, but I tried. It's
1: a progress. It's a growth. Yeah. For me, what I liked when you came over and personally gave me bad birds. Yeah. That's sticky. um, I think the concept of bad being a human concept and a social construct was interesting because you were applying it to birds. And then... I mean, like happy, healthy Harold. I feel like any heavy message is kind of easier to, for people to receive when it's animals, particularly yeah. cute animals, particularly hot birds. It's kind of like it gives us enough distance from the message, no matter how personal or heavy it is, in order to really receive it. Yeah, so, yeah. I
2: mean, like think of the the, the famous Holocaust comic Mouse. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. And how effectively. It conveyed those sentiments of, you know, how dangerous the Holocaust was um, and how dangerous it is to let that happen again. Just a slow movement, it taught, it, you know, it starts with speech. We should have learned some lessons from Mouse. We should, we have. should have. We should have. Yeah.
1: And yet, here, and we, yet are here we are on the we brink are. of World War Three. It's, mm. yeah, like Life of Pi or Watership Down. There's, I mean... Yeah, lots of tales that deal with really confronting heavy topics. So I think that's great that you give so much of yourself, particularly in these stories. Like, I didn't realize that first part that you were talking about it being a real experience for you. Yeah. And that's what you were addressing, so.
2: Like, all Bad Burbs comics are things that have really happened. Yeah. uh, Conversations that I've had, so.
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. I didn't finish number two. Um, It's finished enough for people to know, but, like, directly after that, um, I did walk over to the powerhouse and throw up. Uh, so, for uh, someone that said, please don't put throw up in, in this comic, I'm like, why? That was the best part of number one, that's what everyone loved.
1: Come on, it's, that's <laughs> a normal response to these things.
2: That is a normal response to half a bottle of gin.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like people need to read that, they need to be like, hey, that's me, I relate. Yeah. I'm not the only one that throws up after half a bottle of gin.
2: Plus, do you know how cool it is to draw vomit? It is fun. Mm, yeah. It is
0: so I, nice. I've drawn it many, many times. It is a lot of fun.
1: Frank has been known for their are uh, ways of drawing bodily fluid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're a bit of yeah. a master of it.
2: <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, local Simon Hanselman mm. and their use <laughs> yeah, of bodily yeah. fluids on covers. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. They're um
0: they're, they're another person that does the whole like animals like surrounding really heavy, like, in especially in Simon's case, really, really heavy stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, really, 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 like, really like his um, really like stuff. Yeah,
2: so mm. while while we're pitching things as well, like, uh, Bad Burbs is, is 50-50 inspired by a Canadian comic called Clementine. Um, yeah. About the opossum, opossum and a raccoon, Um Uh, And a lot of people stop following it after a while, but, um, you know, she's having issues and she's wondering why she's having issues and it's because she is a he. And Mm. so she makes uh, the process of transitioning. Transitioning. Yeah. I think I've Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Oh, it's fantastic. She's a brilliant artist. Sorry. That's
1: okay. I'm just really excited to see where, like, what's going to happen, like, particularly within Australia, as a queer community having to deal with, like, the plebiscite and now having rights to marry who we want. I just feel like there's still going to be all these zines that are going to come out post before during after it's just a time to be a zine maker, to be a queer zine maker. There's so much to say. Yeah. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, we feel like we've done all of these things. Um, And I I, I can't speak for Melbourne. I don't know what it's like down here. But in Brisbane, we've actually... It's a very important time right now to start telling stories again. Yeah, We've seen uh, a a huge increase in self-harm and suicide, but also murder, Mm -hmm. violence, uh, bashings, those sort of things, substance abuse, homelessness... Those things are increasing since marriage equality. I think that's because, you know, I, I have the real feeling that conservatives are punishing us for marriage equality. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, it just the way all of it was handled is just so inhumane. And the fact that we were made to sort of have a popularity contest about whether or not we deserved this and the fact that we did get a yes and it was a majority yes it still doesn't mean that the people who were saying no or the fact that we had to submit ourselves to that trial there was no debriefing there was no steps taken afterwards so understandably people feel vulnerable and feel hurt and if we look at statistics of how many trans people are murdered yeah it's just it's there's a long way to go
2: it's got to stop. And I guess I want to impress on on your listeners uh, why it's important to tell your stories, uh, listener. Why it's important to tell <laughs> your story, listener. Um, you know, I lost two friends to suicide over over Christmas, uh, just after Christmas, and I fell oh, into wow. God. fell back into alcoholism, and I'm only yeah. really starting to come out now, um, which is why I've you know I haven't finished the scene for <laughs> Sticky, yeah. but I'm down yeah. here anyway because it's just what I need. Mm. Um, but you know, I I can either let that get to me, or I can keep on chugging for their benefit. Like they they can't find anymore.
1: Exactly. You got to tell mm. your
2: story, listener, because uh, if you don't thrive in your survival, you're just gonna die, yeah. and we don't want that.
1: And we have to be careful about the way we're telling our stories to ourselves as well, and the yeah. way we're telling other people that. It we have a real power in that we are still here, and that we have lost people and. I feel like what gives our life purpose or meaning is our ability to allow others' lives to become easier Yeah, from us telling our stories. It's it's us sort of not passing the baton, but allowing people to connect to us and realize that they're not alone, they're not isolated. Like, we have all... No man's an island. All of us have experienced something to one form or another.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess... Uh, another thing is I, I really want uh, queer people to start uh, learning about their history again yeah. yeah, learning about our traditions that are stopped being traditions um, Spirit Day at Purple Day these are important for our community uh, we wear purple, purple is the color of spirit and we wear that on Spirit Day to recognize the people who we have lost to suicide to self-harm, to murder to bashings, those sort of things to Cashew. violence yeah, sure. so that mm-hmm we carry their story with us. They are not forgotten to history.
1: Yeah, and I feel like there has been a little bit of loss of knowledge in history and I feel like there's a risk then of things repeating of people having to go through the same trials and tribulations again because they don't realize that it's happened before and yeah. there's people that have experienced it. So yeah. I don't know
2: how it is down here, but in Brisbane we're seeing, you know, uh, particularly uh, gay white men are returning to clubs, you know, where we really haven't addressed the kind of violences that we were trying to escape there, uh, you know, like sexual assault, that sort of thing, substance abuse. Um, but, you know, we're not finding them in queer spaces anymore. And, you know, on, on one hand, they are going in those spaces because they feel that's where they're going to be most comfortable. But also, you know, when we're in queer spaces, they are treated like the oppressor in this space. And I, I, I want to find, I want to negotiate a space where we don't let them... Fall back into that old habit of only existing in gay bars. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like it's kind of up to us to negotiate that space, which is a little bit daunting when you think about nobody else is going to give it to you. Nobody else is necessarily going to assign you this area. You no. kind of, and it, it takes certain kinds of people who feel confident enough to say, hey, this is what we need. You're included, you're invited.
2: Yeah. I think that's important of using the queer label as well. Mm. When I say I'm queer, everyone always just assumes I'm just some cis white gay. Uh, But I'm, you know... uh, I Only would... two of these things, I guess. But um... <laughs>
1: There's there's so much more to it, and it used to yeah. be a slur, but I think it's quite empowering to say hmm. it because then, I mean, people can question well, how, where do you fall under the umbrella, but you don't need to necessarily have to justify it. It's like it's enough that I am telling you this is how I identify your choice to accept it or not.
2: Yeah, and, like, if you say you're queer, I say I'm queer. Frank says they're queer. They're queer. Um, you know, we're we're very different people. Mm, that yeah. means a lot of different things to different people like us. A, yeah, absolutely. It's
1: a great umbrella. Mm. Oh,
0: I love it. <laughs> mm. Um, so I guess I also wanted to ask about um your sort of philosophy around publishing zines. Like for me, I really like the sort of the DIY sort of element of it. Um yeah, like what what how do um what what sort of got you into zines? I should, should probably mm. say.
2: So we're talking scholarly. We agreed on scholarly. Mhm. Okay, so, um, you know, from general background, you know, how do queer people uh, connect with each other and tell each other stories, carry their history? How do they have conversations, big conversations about queerness? Um, You know, we have the internet, but so much gets lost on the internet Mm. with your algorithms directing people to where they think they should be going you know, bypassing a little ad on the way. Um, But with zines, you know, we're taking control of, one, how we are telling those stories, and two, how people are receiving those stories in ways that um, we would not be able to if we're going through mainstream publishing or if we were just doing it on the internet. Um, There's also the face value of zines as well. A lot of people do sell zines in a shop, but mostly when people are interacting with zines, they're interacting with the here as well. Yeah. So they have a face to this story. This story is a person. It's not just a story. I'm not just reading some Buzz article. Um, so that's my philosophy, I guess. Uh, zines really are how minorities carry their history, have those important conversations with each other about mm. things, um, and connect with each other as human beings.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting you sort of mentioned sort of the the – the face of the artist, you know, because I come from sort of comics, and I think a lot of people think comics and zines are, like, interchangeable, and that's not always the case. Yeah. And, yeah, it's completely integral to, because to, you've really got to put yourself in the art, because it needs to be honest, and if it's not honest, I mean, why are you making it? Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think separating the artist from the art is, um, was true in a traditional sense, but we're moving away where people are taking control of how things Mm. are being published and what's being published and actually doing the publishing themselves. Uh, and in that respect to be an indie publisher, you need to have a face. It's not, you can't separate, you can't separate them. No, no. absolutely. Yeah. They need to be the same. Um, At the same time, you have to remember that people in indie publishing are human beings as well. We're Mm. not, like, famous musicians. We're not celebrities. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. When we stand on a stage or when we're on a screen, we are a brand. Mm. We aren't a brand. We are, you know, we are people as well. Mm, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um... So, I wanted to ask about um some of the like like some of the photo collages you've done, particularly for like other publications um mm-hmm. so i find I find it really interesting um you know, I feel like a lot of people don't really do those kind of photo collages anymore um or at least I don't see it that often, so yeah, tell us something about
3: that
2: yeah, so I guess it started as an experiment with the media around me uh Mostly free mags, um, but also quite a bit of fashion mags because that's where you get the big, gorgeous eyes mm-hmm. uh, and the big lips and everything and the gorgeous legs. <laughs> yeah, every man needs a pair of gorgeous legs mm-hmm. attached mm-hmm. to the side of their body. Yep. Um, just a spare. Yeah. Spare set. Just a spare
1: set. As soon as you said legs, I just thought of Valentina. Yeah? Yeah. You know, the drag queen. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, that's legs to me. Legs for days. Legs for days. Or Naomi. Mm. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Um, so I guess, uh, you know, learning a lot of things about media, how, it, how it operates, how it produced. Did you know that almost a third of all fashion models that you see in fashion magazines never existed as real people? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and the closer you look at most of those, um, uh, particularly the, the female fashion models in fashion magazines, uh you realise how far they've been stretched beyond human recognition. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's weird that you look at it from a general, you know, you just look at it and you're like, oh, that's a person. And then you look at it while you're cutting up and you're like, the fuck is
1: going <laughs> What have they done to her ears? <laughs> I love um, seeing, like, really bad retouch jobs. Like, what happened with the Kardashian family? Was it Kendall? I think... With, for the Calvin Klein campaign, yeah. and she's plastered on all the trams. She's got, like, a really elongated arm, like, mm-hmm. unnaturally so, and it's made it through. I so that, saw that. Yeah, so I don't think it's still on trams, but you can certainly look it up online. It's just... It's grotesque. It's great. It's yeah. almost like alienoid. It's like a parody of what aliens think humans would like. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the only... Uh... You know, other people like them, they're like, oh, that's cool. Uh, But, like, the only time I've ever had, like, a, like, super, like, in-depth, like, reaction is actually, um, I had been cutting out, like, thousands of eyes. Thousands of eyes, because that's what you do on a weekend, right? Sure. The eyes and the lips, I collected them for a project (laughs) I was doing. uh, And I had all, like, the cuttings out, because, like, what I usually do is I cut a square, because it's just, uh, like, the face as a square, and it's just easy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It rubs the lotion on the skin. (laughs)
2: But I saw the pile there, I was like, oh, and then just rearrange them so they I was bored. And then I was like, oh, I like that. So I took a photo, I put it on Instagram, and everyone was like, how can you do that to women? I'm like, oh, have you not seen anything I've been doing? Come on. Yes, Um,
1: I cut up these women. I did. They're in my well in my basement.
2: (laughs) But the, the other response I had to that criticism... Apart from like have you not seen literally everything else I've been doing is you should have seen uh you should have seen like if you think this is frightening, you should have seen it before I cut it up mm, yeah. um yeah, but, yeah, because most of them never existed as real people, and the real people that there were there were just like twisted beyond humanity and it was like you should be afraid and angered by that, that is why you should be angered, not my clippings,
1: yeah, I mean a lot of these magazines are talking about women as a commodity as an object so the fact that you are sort of um playing with the idea of like it's it's objectification in its highest form yeah yeah you're just you're just playing with what was already there you weren't the one that created this industry that profits off this fantasized idea yeah it's um talking about yeah body dysmorphia which is common and i feel like it should be discussed
2: yeah and i'm far from the first person to do it yeah um, your early daughterist, who I love, I adore, mm. um, I always forget her name. A lot of people, uh, there's a fascist scum who helped out the Italians, Francisco Franco. <laughs> he's always, uh, atoned as, uh, not atoned. People say he's the, like, the grandfather, the creator of, like, your daughter's collage. It's actually a woman, and I always forget her name, and I feel ashamed of that. Um,
1: We but- can include it in the link later, like, the bio. Yeah, yeah. I'll look it up,
2: listener. I'll look it up for you.
1: Um, but it makes me think of, like, early 90s, Riot girl, sort of, like, a lot of yeah, whole yeah. Nirvana, like, that sort of style. Like, it's, yeah, it's something that people have been playing with.
2: Yeah. Collage so. has a very feminist history. But how dare it? you? How dare you?
0: <laughs> kind of reminds me of, um, there's, like, a band, a deaf metal band. I think it's Carcass. could be someone else. Uh, I'm not that well versed in my in my death metal. I apologize, dear listeners. Um,
1: <laughs> what? How dare?
0: How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, the, I think they sort of do like um, a lot of the album covers are sort of collages of like various body parts and so the intent is to make it look as gruesome as possible but like I think I don't know who I think was a singer or the bass player he sort of admitted that he got the pictures from his sister's medical textbooks because she was a doctor yeah but it's kind of just interesting the way you sort of like
1: when you take things out of context yeah
0: it's interesting the kind of effect yeah you've got because you know at the end of the day they're just they're just body parts really you know it's not like they've dismembered them themselves you know yeah
2: it is I think it's Incredibly cool how twisted I can create uh, an image with collage, and Mm. people still see as a person. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's like that whole thing on Tumblr last year when they had the—they were banning the female-presenting nipple.
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: It's like how do you how do you differentiate? Where's the lines between it being a female nipple or a male nipple or a non-binary? It's just a nipple. Like the idea that women's bodies have been so sexualized and objectified that they have to be censored is just absurd. And the fact that those collages came from a medical book, it was mm. clinical already, but then when you put it all together and it's on a metal cover, it's suddenly grotesque. It's it's all about context. Yeah,
0: and then you put the band name Carcass yes. on it and then suddenly it's oh, like oh so
1: <laughs> banned in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Banned in the Bible mm. belt. Yeah. We're all we're all just humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of us aren't, but most of us are.
2: I'm I'm a good bean
1: yes that's what I've heard about you
2: yeah <laughs> I'm going to keep in I'll do that's the reviews are in
1: yeah 10 out of 10 10 <laughs> out of 10 <laughs> Yelp reviews um, so what's next for Wolfram? Um, what, what do you want to conquer in 2020 that you feel you haven't yet
2: Um, really broken out into the publishing industry I guess getting a job <laughs> what's um, that I know, what is employment? I miss employment. Uh, If anyone's listening, I'm looking for a job in Brisbane.
1: They're very qualified.
2: So I guess I want to break out into the publishing industry more. Um, I always wanted to uh, work in publishing as publishing other people's books. It's really where my strengths lay. Uh, Networking, identifying trends in the market, identifying where books can be placed in the market, Um, people skills, those those are my strengths. It's what I'm good at, it's what I enjoy. Um, I guess realizing the effect that publishing a book will have on my success in that field uh, has encouraged me to publish a book this year. I've got three that are pretty much done. Uh, so this might be the year that I publish a book.
1: Would you consider opening a publishing house of your own?
2: Uh, yeah, maybe one day, but um, I really want to like get a good feel.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Of, of how it, you know, professionals do it first.
1: I feel like you've already got a, good feel like i what i don't i can't imagine what you feel you don't have a grasp of because you've worked with uh major publications you've worked as an uh, in indie level so
2: yeah i think uh, two things is money, money and name yeah yeah you really have to make a name for yourself so i have the skills and the knowledge i have all those things what i don't have is a name for myself
1: would you consider Doing something like a podcast or something on another platform that would allow people to have more immediate access to you.
2: Yeah, yeah. um So I was planning to do uh, a D and D player podcast yes. uh, to start with, just to test podcasting skills, uh, but also bring a little queerness. Uh, yep. It's called Tales of Taproot. It's all gnome cast. Everyone's a gnome.
1: Oh man! Yeah. Cool. Why? Why all gnomes?
2: One, the puns, the pun, the punnability <laughs> of it is beautiful. But two, I really wanted a setting of the Underdark. Uh-huh. Um, so everyone's a deep gnome. Uh, and also I wanted uh, it to be less about, you know, uh, the race. You know, you've always got your thick Dragonborn character, your thick, thirsty Dragonborn. Mm-hmm. That's uh, me. Yeah. Hashtag Dungeon Rats. <laughs> uh, great podcast. Fantastic. <laughs> if you're listening... Pay me. <laughs> um,
1: so, this podcast, it's going to be a thing?
2: It, I have the group together. We just have to meet uh, and record.
1: Okay. So, we have to stay posted for eventual dates at yep. that release. Yeah.
2: It could be this year. <laughs> it could be next year.
1: Can, can yeah. you believe we're already in February?
2: <laughs> oh, no. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Mm. I can't even.
1: How's those resolutions going, huh?
2: I did not make. I do not make resolutions.
1: Uh, on principle or.
2: Uh, on principle and knowing myself. I make a point (laughs) to know myself. Yes. (laughs) I don't celebrate birthdays or Christmas or anything like that. I celebrate days and I celebrate uh spending time with people yeah hmm. that's what brings me joy i celebrate yeah. things that bring me joy i don't like celebrating just because everyone else is celebrating i don't know
1: it's very unleo of you but yeah. i suppose making every day a celebration makes sense
2: yeah like i don't want to sound like dark and then you're like ew everyone else is doing it <laughs> i don't wanna it's just like i don't i don't feel comfortable performing simply because everyone else is.
1: Sure, there's a the pressure, too. There's an yeah. expectation. Yeah.
2: Plus, growing up poor, like, um, you know, I, I grew up in a foster home, um, and then a little bit of time with my mum. And, like, you know, my mum was poor, and she'd always try to overcompensate by buying us a lot of presents. And, like, y- you know, like, when you're growing up, that you're poor, because everyone always reminds you that you're poor, and you have nothing, and that you're scum. <laughs> uh, they do. Yeah. Um, and so you just like I remember one year, me and my brother were just like, "Do not buy us presents. We aren't celebrating. We're going down to the community center. We're going to have a nice lunch. That's what we're going to do." And I think we were like thirteen at the time. And Mum's like, "Bawling her eyes out. Mm-hmm. It d- doesn't have to be. Does not have to be that. It just needs to be us. Celebrate yeah. us. I yeah. feel like
1: it. Yeah. It should always be like the the gift should always be proportional to the sentiment. And that's not to mean that." someone goes out and buys a Ferrari for you because they care about you. It's more about the, the quality of the thought and the time that they've invested in you. Like, yeah, I know that I get a feeling of like, not it's it's almost like repulsion when someone has spent a huge amount of money and they give you this thing and there's this grand expectation that you yeah. have to have this reaction. And it's you like, have to like it. Yeah, it's like oh no 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 no. Like yeah. I can't use that. Do you know how many meals that was? Like more practical. Like my mind always thinks in terms of like what this could have equated to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know when someone buys you like a Kmart mug for Christmas, you're just like thanks,
1: <laughs> thanks. Um, oh. I just think about how many times I hated getting socks as kids and now I'm yeah. like, I'm an adult. I'm like, socks. Oh, give me socks. Yes. Mm, make them thick socks. Yes, thick cotton socks. socks, you I kid. need some
2: undies without holes, please. Yes,
1: oh my goodness. Underwear and socks. It's the new adult present. <laughs> Oh, but that's another that thing as know. a creative is that like we learn to be so resourceful like mm. we can pretty much make anything that we wish existed or that we wanted
2: yeah. yeah like you're telling me i have all these skills and i can do all these things you can you can too frank yeah. can yeah mm. anyone who's listening can if they just got off their butt yeah there's you no can excuse do anything
1: exactly mm. do it do it do it today You can do it, put your back into it.
0: (laughs) It's a two can, not a two can't. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Nice contribution. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Brought it back to a more peachy. (laughs) It's about to launch off.
0: Yeah. (sighs) Cute. So, yeah, tell us about the Read Me
2: Quizine Library. I'm very intrigued about that and what it entails. Okay, so the Read Me Quizine Library is a long story. Basically, uh, you know, when I was growing up younger, you know, I figured it all out when I was fourteen. I knew everything when I was fourteen.
1: <laughs> Who doesn't when you're fourteen?
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, Salinity has really set in hard since then. Um, but uh, you know, being a thirsty gay, I wanted stories. Uh, and if I weren't, uh, if I wasn't finding them in mainstream, I was going anywhere, anywhere. And I guess the internet didn't have all your algorithms and everything, so it was easier to find things. Uh, in the early noughties. Uh so you found all these um I got really attached to uh San Francisco uh comic scene. Mm-hmm. Um people like Rob Curry, Bill Roundy, mm-hmm. um Alison Bechdel, obviously, oh. uh before Fun Home came out. Um, those sort of people, Tim Fish. Tim mm-hmm. Fish was the first um of that group whose comic made it into my hands. Um, I picked it up at a place called Daily Planet Comics in Brisbane. yeah uh, I met this beautiful man who told me all about it uh we 're still good friends uh don 't tell them I said that um <laughs> And yeah, so suddenly I was like, these things are existing. These things happen. Uh, They're out there if I looked for them. Mm. Uh, So I started going to like conventions and things. Um, Back then, Supernova was really cheap for your indie artists. Um, So I found a lot of. Yeah, I know. Everything's different now. Yeah. Everything's changed. Um, So discovering some. Uh, artists there, not a lot of queer artists, but a lot of um you know, yaoi was really popular back then. Oh my god! Yeah, a lot of doujinshi and a it was lot of
1: so rampant. It was oh, amazing. so rampant!
2: And some of it was awful. Yeah. But then you had like your punky people who were really into yaoi, and they were making like gross punk yaoi, <laughs> uh, yeah. which was actually healthier than mainstream <laughs> yaoi. It was very nice. um So I guess Noble Rot uh, was my favorite zine from that time that was an anthology of stories and a few comics they made uh, Cabin Boys uh, a full part comic uh, we recently reconnected uh, with oh, the artist it's really okay. cool uh, hmm. but I guess my first one was uh, uh, Bajko Lise. Uh and I ended up eventually one day um, displaying my, my Bad Bubs art alongside their art oh at, that's at cool at Melt Festival yeah yeah uh, and I was you know, so so humbled by that. It was like <laughs> the first gay comic <laughs> Yeah that they ever bought. From there it's just been like it's just been uh a love of finding, you know, narratives, stories, short stories and comics and those sort of things. And that's what read me kinda came from. It was my private collection of zines mm. and comics, which was huge. Mm. Um Specifically to tell everyone who was adamant that these stories didn't exist in the world, that queer representation didn't exist. I you know, I found that a very negative thing to say. Because if mm. you say that, everyone just agrees, yeah. and no one looks. But if you say, no, these things exist, here are a few things to start you off with, and then you can find references to other things that these people have loved. And that is that is still how I do it. If, you know, I love Emily Never... On Instagram, mm. fantastic comic. Um, I do too. <laughs> but like Go on. If you are thirsty and you want to find something good, you go through, you find someone you love, you follow them for a while, you see who's commenting on their stuff. You see who they're following. Oh, you my You following their
1: stuff. <laughs> yeah. If you
2: are thirsty, you will look. It's mm.
1: oh, um, an amazing one. <laughs>
2: that is why i have a very large queer zine library
1: <laughs> i see
2: um yeah yeah because you know a lot of people they'll make it but it's like a short run like particularly with zines everyone's like no this is a short run i'm gonna print it off once once they're gone that's it i'm like, I'll make sure i'm there for that <laughs> that's what Hi. i
1: like about <clears throat> zines is it like it can stop there and that can be it like Someone can just have an experience with the zine, but the like the person, the creator behind it is a rich tapestry. Like, this is just like one yeah. percent of who they are and their interests. So, the fact that social media is so accessible these days, yeah. it's a little bit scary, yeah. But it's great because when you were talking, I was thinking about like early noughties fan fiction, like, that taught me so much about. My sexuality and and how yes. people identified because I didn't there wasn't no one was talking about it in high school there wasn't a language for it there wasn't an explanation for the way I was feeling I think <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to admit this on it no I'm going to do it no. I think I first discovered the term bisexuality when I was thirteen fourteen through a Pirates of the Caribbean fan fiction yeah oh. yeah so and it it just yeah there's this massive community of people who were making their own queer narratives. So, like, everybody's seen the Hollywood movie Pirates of the Caribbean, but the fact that somebody felt compelled enough to go home and (laughs) write Jack Sparrow getting pegged or any other combination of characters, it was just really (laughs) liberating for a, a teenage girl to just be like, Oh, my God, lightbulb moment. Yeah. There's more to it.
0: Uh, Yeah, do you have any links you want to promote? If there's any new new stuff coming out, definitely want to hear it.
2: Well, there is queercontent.press, and I want to plug that. That (laughs) is, like, my author profile, um, but it is mostly where I post things that I have written for... street mags is my freelance work, but also, you know, I do do some community writing sometimes. Uh, and I post that there as well. It gives me an opportunity, one, to extend that conversation that I want to have, but don't get a chance to when I'm doing freelance writing, um, providing links, uh, embedding videos, that sort of thing. Sometimes, uh, when I am interviewing someone for a magazine, I'll have a little sneaky interview of my own. <laughs> mm. um, um, one of my last interviews was Craig Borum, who is very, he's a film director, but he also does the St. Gilda Film Fest. Oh yeah. So he does, uh, Craig Borum, you know I, I, I am the volunteer coordinator for Brisbane Queer Film Festival mm-hmm. uh, it's a great joy of mine so I, yeah. know, I knew who he was and I was like I'm making sure I get that job awesome Which, yeah no one else knew who Craig Borum was so I got it Ah, oh, um, so good and mm-hmm. afterwards I was just like so let's have a little chat afterwards <laughs> um, so oh, you'll gosh. find that sort of stuff on my personal blog yeah. But it also it's basically a resume. please hire me. <laughs> um, apart from that, the Winnie Bird website is pretty cool. If you're in Brisbane and you are looking for something social to do, uh please jump on the Winnie Bird website. It is a free barbecue every six weeks. Uh we do ask for donations to help, but like, you know, you don't have to. Um, we do apply for grants every now and again when we need to, just, you know, to cover the price of venue hire and sausages. But it really is a space where people can move out of their tribes and uh, reconnect with each other as queer people. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, trans folk who who attend these days, uh, you know, but it is open to anyone. Um, you know, if you if you feel like you don't belong in your tribe, please come to Wendy Bird. Mm-hmm. Please come chill. Yeah. Join us some games. Have a free sausage. <laughs> yeah. It's a win-win-win. Awesome. I know.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing all your amazing knowledge and experience with us wolfram thank you for having me thank you we will be right back after this break
0: and you were just hearing an interview that me and emily did with wolfram from queer content and zines wasn't it magical i personally think it was um unfortunately we have come to the end of another episode parting is always such sweet sorrow. So you can find previous episodes of Crewing the Air on the Free CR website, that is freecr.org.au, and like and follow us on Facebook for some more updates. And while you're at it, do subscribe to FreeCR. You can come into the studio during office hours, you can do it by post, by phone, or online at the FreeCR website. It's $35 concession and $75 wage, so do yourself a favour and support Community Radio.